All hands, this is the captain speaking. Starfleet has confirmed reports that Romulus was destroyed two weeks ago by an ultranova in the adjacent Toba system. The colonies and subjugated worlds that survived are in need of humanitarian aid. Arabella has been assigned to a convoy that will cross the neutral zone in order to provide assistance. We are uncertain of the reception we will receive, but it is it likely, is likely we will be met with resistance from the Romulan people. They won't want to accept charity from the Federation, but the captain says we should be prepared to accept evacuees and deal with confrontations with rogue members of the military. Security teams will need to be ready at a moment's notice. We'll we will begin, begin drills at 0800 to prepare. Sick bay may be inundated with ill and wounded. I don't want my department to be overwhelmed. Many of you were a part of the staff aboard the Tiberius. You were seasoned veterans. I know you are fully capable of handling this situation. Shields up. Red alert. Captain, our shields cannot take much more. Beyond the neutral zone, the Romulan people suffer in chaos. The Hobus Ultra Nova laid waste to their fractured empire. Stability has crumbled and infrastructure ravaged. Friend and foe amass in shadows, waiting to pick their bones. Yet the Federation takes nothing but their burdens. These are the voyages of Arabella, the flagship of the Seventh Fleet. Its mission, to defend the helpless, to render aid where needed, to befriend a former enemy, to boldly go where no Starfleet vessel has gone before. Hello and welcome to the Ready Room, the Treks and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Jen, and I play Captain Savril and Dr. Ryla Dredd. And I'm Rick, and I play Counselor Margon. Welcome to the show. It's been a while since we've done one of these, Rick. It has been a while, but you know, we had a little brief, you know, what do you call it, respite between uh, seasons 9 and 10, mm -hmm. but season 10 is off to a wild, crazy, exciting start. Yeah. Well, we probably should explain Kenny's absence first before we jump into that. Yeah, I miss Kenny. Where is Kenny? He's just busy. You know, he's going to be a part of the ready room. Um, he doesn't write right now um, in the uh, RPG because of everything that he's got going on in, in the real world with um, his job and the guild and That's all right. other uh, projects, um, Knights of the Guild, which is his podcast. So it's kind of hard to juggle all of those things. And so he's decided to back out of the RPG. And he's still a moderator, and he still does the ready room, but he can't write anymore. So Savril is captain. Oh, that's exciting. Well, congratulations for, on your promotion there. Thank you. Of course, we have a, a completely different slant on this season of, of uh, the RPG. We'll explain that as we go. That'll be cool. But we do miss Kenny. Kenny, I hope you're having a, a great day, and, and we look forward to having you back on the program. It's going to be very, very fun, because you are the man. Happy Fourth of July. Oh, yeah. I guess it, we're recording on the Fourth of July today for all of our uh, friends in the States. Happy Fourth of July. For you folks across the pond, I don't want to mention it too much, because I know it's a sore subject yeah. with Thanks you. Thanks for losing. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start explaining a little bit about what's different, different between this season and all the others that came before. 
All right. So everyone who has probably, well, darn it, how am I going to go about this without spoiling it for people that, that haven't seen the Trek movie? Oh, don't worry about spoiling it. It's out. It's been out for a long time now. Well, just tell them. Just a disclaimer. Star Trek movie, don't listen to this. I'm going to warn you right now because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Our RPG now follows the timeline of the um, uh, events of the movie. Romulus was destroyed. We start at that point. So Romulus has been destroyed. History has been altered because of that, and our characters are different. They have been assigned to Romulan space to provide a ma- humanitarian aid as part of a fleet of ships from from the Federation. Called the Seventh Fleet. The Seventh Fleet, which Arabella is the flagship of. There's only seven ships. There are engineering ships and medical ships and um, some escort ships, which are just kind of like frigates, I guess, or heavy fighters or whatever you want to call them. Just there right. to make sure that... That nothing happens to the engineering ships and in the medical ships. Yeah, that should provide our crew with the opportunity to stay in touch with Federation without actually having to go home, I guess. Right. Because they'll be able to travel from, you know, two other ships if they're in the area. Because they kind of split up into teams. So, you know, there will always be an engineering ship and a medical ship and an escort ship together. Right. So they kind of split in, t- in half, and the Arabella is the scout. So she goes. So it's ahead. like, so it's like a big humanitarian, or in this, I don't know if you call it humanitarian because we're going to the aid of the Romulans, Romulitarian mission. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're simply going to lend aid because we feel compassion towards this race that has had their home planet obliterated, and right. we're going to lend a hand, which of course makes for a wonderful backdrop for some rich storytelling because. There's been a lot of tension between these folks, and now all of a sudden we're going in to to help, and they're not too excited about that. At the same time, they need the help. Right. So it sets it up for some great development here, um, especially in the area of you know how do you, how do you get along with these different races and and how you know who's you know there's got to be some great deceptive things going on and some exciting you know. Um, compassionate things going on all at the same mm-hmm. time. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, and it also gives our characters a chance to explore a new territory. They're going to Romulan space, which has always right. been in existence. We just don't know very much about it because we're not allowed to cross the neutral zone. Exactly. So now we can explore all the, um, the, the worlds that have been subjugated by the Romulan Empire right. and, and help them. But um, the Romulan space is inundated not only with you know people who whose planets have been wiped out or you know they maybe have a, maybe have evacuated their plants before that happened and or survived somehow, but there are pirates, there mm-hmm. are slavers who are probably Orion, and um, also rogue military ships like rogue war warbirds that are trying to maybe uh, take command of whatever's left of the empire by wiping right. out the, the the senators that are left. We mentioned in, in one post briefly that they had run across a Boleyn um, mm-hmm. trader who was just there to sell things. And then we also mentioned that even the allies of the Romulans and the enemies are massing to take over the territory. So there's a lot of like tension that's going to be well, and I like I like that whole idea because that's exactly uh, paralleling it to what happens 
here on the on you know in real life when a government collapses or or a, a natural disaster happens or something like that or a man-made disaster there's this big scramble to see who's going to be in power mm-hmm. and how are they going to survive and what are they going to you know cuz all everything is shifted now and that is a great that's the backdrop for this whole story which is great so this is a parallel timeline I'm not sure that it, it's the same one that the movie takes place in. You know, time travel and all that stuff gets confusing, but this is the way it, it is in my mind. Okay, here and we go. Time time travel according to Jen. Here yes. we go. And I'm going to get jumped all over, I'm sure, by people who know much <laughs> more about Star Trek and time travel than I do, but this is my explanation. At the point where um, Nero goes back in time and destroys Vulcan, our timeline, the prime one that Savril and Captain Quinn and every, everyone was a part of, was shifted. So Vulcan was destroyed. Savril didn't, wasn't raised on Vulcan anymore. Her mother's a captain and not a, a professor. I mean, all those things got changed. Changed, yeah. And then the Ultra Nova occurred in their timeline, in their future, that, which is not that far from where we were writing anyway. We're part of a different timeline. Does that make sense at all? <laughs> Well, I didn't know that, but yeah, yeah, sure, that makes sense now. Yeah, we didn't go back in time. We didn't. We're well, just... I'm glad I didn't write Spock into my yeah. post then. So Spock is gone. We don't. I'm know. taking the poster off my wall in Margon's yeah. quarters now. Had one with his hands up, said "Live long and prosper," and had both Spocks, new and old, in my quarters. They're not there now. I took them down right now. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so so this means that all of the characters then that we've come to know and love, and some new ones. Um, actually, the the ones that we've come to know and love have have a little bit different s- stories going on, so they might be a, just a tad bit different in there in this new universe. Tell us about Margon, how he's different. Margon's completely different. Well, not completely. He still is a counselor. He's still a Volian, but his son Brex is not a Volian anymore. He um, he actually rescued Brex from Jadan Marley, who was a um, uh, abusing him, and so he's Bajoran. Brex is Bajoran, and he's a twelve-year-old boy, which is interesting. Cool. And uh, he's not a—he didn't—he wasn't a barber. He—he <laughs> he was a gardener on the Boloris uh, homeworld, and uh, went to Starfleet Academy and uh, trained under the grandson of uh, Boosby. How do you say it? Boosby is that mm-hmm. the remember the gardener at Starfleet? Yeah. Well, anyway, long story short, it's a whole different thing. He doesn't have a cat anymore. He has a dog. And he's not uh, musical this time around. And so uh, it's just interesting to see his character is just a little bit different. And he, he's more of a serious character than he was before. And so it should be interesting to see how he pans out and what it's like to have a 12-year-old on a ship running an errand of mercy. You know, Brex is trying to get along. They get along really well. And at the times, they don't get along at all, which is normal for a 12-year-old. But right. But in this case, um, he's the Brex has been through some severe abuse, so he's you know this is a this is a good opportunity for Brex to learn about life and and to have somebody that cares about him and be on a ship where they're going to be helping people, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's my character's just a tad bit different there, and he doesn't like root beer anymore with vinegar. Oh, I like that. About I know, is that is that weird? Yeah, <laughs> things change when you go to an alternate universe. <laughs> That's what I always say. Well, you know, and we did that so that, one, we kind of ride the wave of the excitement that was generated by the movie. Sure. And it also gave us a batch of fresh ideas because we've been writing these, this thing for nine seasons. And it gets a little <laughs> dusty after a while. This, you yeah. Know, same kind of things happening. So this kind of yeah. infused a little 
a newer uh, batch of ideas into our story, and it allowed us to fix problems that we've created as newbie writers. You know, mm-hmm. that we may have thought, you know, I, I wish I would have changed the spelling of their name, or or right. uh, I wish that they I hadn't written that her mother was overbearing, or you know, things like right. that. Now they can be fixed, and on yeah. mass, everyone can do it, and it won't be yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? There'll be a reason for it. So yeah. that's that was one reason why we did it. But which is great. Yeah. So speaking of changes, Captain Savril, being the captain now, um, her whole history is different. She was not raised on Vulcan. All the backstory that I read, like a couple of seasons ago, in between uh, new an old season and a new season. All that is out the window because it's uh, another timeline or, you know, different history. She is now married to Eric James, who was the, uh, he was an officer on the Arabella in the previous timeline. Now he's the first officer. So there's a whole backstory that has been written for that those two characters. So if you're interested, you can read that. I'm not going to touch on it because it's super long. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, lots of good reading there. But her mother is a captain. Her father is still a, di- a diplomat that was working yeah. towards unification. He may or may not have been on the planet when uh, Romulus, when it was destroyed. So she doesn't we- know where he is. Oh, yeah. that's for a good part of the story. Yeah. The bond that she has with her husband allows her to... Um, she has she speaks with him telepathically because he his character is part Nacine in Elarian. So right, you know, right. I guess you know, we imagined if that if the two of them were bonded, if they can you know talk at a distance, and and plus you know Vulcans when they're bonded could do that anyway. I like the fact I like that fact because when when uh, Eric is out doing his thing, he she might not know all the details that are going on, but she knows he's okay. Yeah, which I think is really a cool. That's a really. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if every captain knew if their first officer was okay? Right. You know, if they're, are there elevated stress levels? You know, they wouldn't have them, you know, they just know. That's kind of cool. So, right. yeah, we're touching a little bit on that. Um, and their children, Marin and Naval, are now Eric's children. And Arya is 12 years old. So um, she is probably going to be Brex's buddy. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. As long as they don't have Klingon for dinner th- tonight. Yeah. I thought that was funny. They're ex- where they're eating all these different dishes, and he's like, "Okay, but don't have Klingon tonight, please." That was <laughs> like, then we I don't want take. I don't want takeout. Thanks. <laughs> we were talking about some, you know, what what that would be like off duty, and we were thinking that maybe they would spend their holodeck rations on uh, picnics. You know, as a family, <laughs> right. they would go right. and different, you know, to different worlds every time they went to the right. holodeck and have picnic. So that's what she shows. It's a great idea. Klingon food. But uh, what, what else was I going to say about that? Oh, and Savril's interests are different, too. She's a Domjot player. So oh, that's cool. That's where she kind of... she Domjot human? Her, um, her strategies and stuff most of the time over a game of Domjot. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that could be fun in the future. I guess we can go to Eric. Um, let's see. He's uh, kind of a Kirkish character. Yeah? He was kind of... Uh, wild and crazy at the academy. He um, is one of those types of people who doesn't stop going to school because they don't know what they're going to do. Right. So he was right. like that. He just kept collecting degrees and stuff. And <laughs> a student who also was allowed to teach a class. So like in his first class, that's when he met Savril, the first time he ever taught. 
in the future, if you guys will like send an audio comment or an email to describe, love to he- yeah, I'd love to hear about so your character. That would be nice because then we could just read from your words or play your own words on our show. You know, that's a great idea. Character. That'd be so if great. We get it wrong if we leave some details out. Chime in. Should we talk about Quinn and where he is? Yeah, where is now? Where is Quinn? At the very beginning, he was he was around at the uh-huh. first post, yes. but yes. he's not the captain anymore. No. Captain Quinn is now Admiral Quinn. Oh. And our story picks up, like, right after the Lucas virus. So okay. Another spoiler here. If anybody's listening to Star Trek boldly, you may not want to hear this part. Turn it off. After the Tiberius was destroyed, Arabella was commissioned. But in this timeline, um, he is promoted after that catastrophe occurred, and he saved Vulcan and all of that. And his first officer is made captain of the Arabella. So right. he's like a rear admiral of the fleet. And I was thinking that Dar Talbot, who was um, one of Rico's characters, he mm-hmm. would be like the fleet admiral. But I haven't talked to Rico about that, so I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to play that character anymore. We will see. Yeah. But anyway, Quinn, you know, he's not going to be on in the story very often. And when he is, I mean, he could pop in whenever he wants. That's the right. beauty of him being an admiral, that he doesn't always have to be there, but he can. Those pesky little admirals can pop yeah. in anytime they want, go back to playing cards exactly. or whatever they do. Yeah, and one of the Pyramid. ways that, that the fleet communicates with one another is through holographic uh, communications. So there's like a special room with hollow emitters in it. That, each that was like on. Has. Remember, Deep Space Nine had that. Uh-huh. Remember that when, yeah. Uh, yeah, Cisco had that cool thing. And so did the um, the uh, Jedi's in the Jedi Temple. That's right. Yeah, only our technology's better. That's right. Crossing the universes uh-huh. here. So yeah, that's the way Quinn will probably show up from time to time in those meetings that they have between the captains of the fleet, and also Mister Took, his um, uh, the engineering guy that was one of. Uh, Kenny's other characters. Yes. He's probably, I think he's the chief engineer on one of the engineering ships. I didn't know that. So that's cool. a way for, another way for Kenny to enter the story if he wanted to. Cool. So. And then now uh, we also have, don't we have a Klingon on board? No, do we? No, is Catan? No, Catan's human. He was. That's he was, right. He, but he was raised he Klingon. Was raised Klingon. His backstory is pretty much the same. Uh, he still had a, a, a girlfriend named Kilara who died. Right. Right, yeah. but he's not as he's annoyed with uh, with Doctor Dread. At yeah. the same time, fascinated by her. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, we decided that this time they were going to dislike each other. <laughs> and, but they that would was still great. have like they'd have this draw that they would fight against that they didn't want to like each other. Right. But so the first time they met, and if you want to read that backstory, go to Ken, uh, to Catan's profile, and it's there in the story. But the first time they met, um, he beamed to the. Uh, Academy to win role, and Dret was the first person he met, and she had just tried some tube grubs because she's Galdar's best friend, and he talked her into <laughs> eating some tube grubs. And she, he, uh, Katan, she... had a holog picture in his hand of Kilara, and, and did she throw she up? Said yes. She said, "What do you have there?" And he showed it to her, and the tube grubs didn't agree with her, and she threw up on his boots. Oh, no. And he saw that as dishonoring the memory of Kilara. Oh, no. And even though she tried to apologize later, he just kind of blew her off. So, See, I didn't know the backstory when I read the latest post with him. And, and uh, so this is making a lot more sense yeah. now. That makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, she's she's a little different in that 
she's still the type of person who wants to befriend everyone, but she has a temper, a little bit of a right. streak. She's a little more tough than she used to be. So if you're stubborn and a jerk to her, she she may try to be your friend once after that and then right. forget it. She's done. You know, and that's kind of what happened there. Catan, what is Catan's position on the ship now? He is now chief operating officer. All right, okay, he's got the, it. the second officer. And he's doing a fine job at his job, by the he way. Is. And Ryla and is the chief medical officer. Dr. Casey is now... He is a bridge commander. Right, which and, is going to start his first gamma mm-hmm. shift pretty and soon. he's a doctor, too. So he used to be a chief medical officer on another ship, but he wanted to um, command his own vessel. And so they transferred him to the Arabella so that he could have, you know... Some command experience. Some experience under his belt. And, we and he's still married to Maella, too. Yeah, Maella is still a doctor who works in sickbay. Right. So, yeah, we um, were talking in a couple of seasons ago. Um, John, who writes for Dr. Peterson, wanted Dr. Peterson to be, you know, in command of the bridge ever so often. And it's like, well, you know, I know Crusher did that. She was trained for that, but she didn't do it very often. So, right, right. Why don't, you know, this is this was our solution to that. That, he, you know, he couldn't write very much anyway. Um, so uh, we had to have a new chief medical officer, and we made him a bridge commander. So he still gets to be a doctor, and he gets to command the bridge. So, Which is cool. Yeah. That's, that's and now Galdar. What's going on with Galdar? Galdar is the helmsman. And he's a fun helmsman. I like having him on the bridge. It's yeah. kind of fun. He was on another ship, and he was transferred to the Arabella. Right. But um, he's unsure of the captain, and he doesn't know very many people. He knows Ryla, and that's about right. it. Well, he does right. know. I think he does know Eric. But he, but he. I liked his little comment that he w- had spent a lot of time in the holodecks uh, rendering aid, you know, like the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. But uh, this was his first actual one where he's going to go do oh, that. Oh yeah, so. his backstory is extensive, and there's a whole history between him and Ryla at the academy, and the Kobayashi Maru they referred to. It was written in the backstory, and something happened in that. Oh, interesting. That caused a little split between him and Ryla for a while as friends. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I have obviously not read the backstories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, oh, well, no wonder there's some Yeah, we interesting- did all of that while we were waiting for season 10 to begin, uh-huh. you know, just to kind of figure out why our, and how our characters were different. And backstories always help, you know, to have sure. something to draw from. Sure. When you're writing. So I you agree. Know your character, and then it also gives other people a little background. Now, we have some new characters. Now, did we cover all the, the main characters that we've had? Um, I, no, um, no, Dunn. We need Lieutenant DeCallan and, mm-hmm. and and Dunn and others. So let's start with DeCallan. Lieutenant Commander DeCallan is um, still Chief of um, Security, right? And he was not. His history is different in that he was not married, and his family was not assassinated or killed. <laughs> um, I think his father's still crazy, but not like evil, maniacal crazy. <laughs> and he was at the academy at the same time as Savril and Eric. Right. Um, let's see. And um, he he was a chief chief of security on the Tiberius as well. In the prime line, it was an, uh, Lieutenant Monrique. Right. That's and right. We rewrote it so that it, it was DeCollin in this history, the alternate and history. It, and this is Joseph DeCollin. And right. now An- Anson Dunn isn't isn't an Anson anymore, is he? No, he's lieutenant. He was promoted last season. That's and right. He still has that rank. 
And he's he's we there was a little bit of confusion, but he is actually on the Arabella waiting for the team to come back. Correct? Yes, he was um, sent to the shuttle bay because an a, a shuttle was sent to the transport, the Romulan transport, to right. uh, to bring back the evacuees. So he was in this shuttle bay on Arabella waiting for them to return. Right, just to kind of help head people in the right direction. Okay, was there any other characters from last yes. season? Okay, um, quite a bit. Uh, Dinghead's character. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, uh, Incendarius Shane. He's an, a um, security officer. So his history, I don't know that has really changed that much. Right. Um, he's an older officer, and he he's he has been a little bitter about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't know that yeah. it's the same anymore. But he's got a he's got a good backstory going on too, so we have to check that out. Okay. Um, and then was there anybody else? Lester Garris. Yeah, Lester's on there again. He's no longer a human who wishes he was Vulcan. <laughs> he took his Spock posters down too. Yes, he took Spock down. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Rem, who's now the chief science officer. Oh yeah, Zrem. I yeah, Zrem's on the bridge and he's uh yeah, he's working with the captain and the bridge crew and doing all his thing. Yep. I don't know that his history has changed. I, I know that he doesn't have um, and half Andorian, half human children anymore. And he and, and um, the engineer that... Marie. Marie. Him, Marie Barton. They're not together yet. I don't know. For sure. But I heard, I heard him talk to her. Yeah. She responded on, a, on some type of a communication yeah, to him. Yeah, I think he said she, her voice sounded familiar. But it didn't. Yeah, I, he doesn't know why. Yeah. Probably because she didn't read season nine is probably why. <laughs> <laughs> so. You sound familiar to me. Are you from an alternate timeline? <laughs> why, yes. Yes, I am. I was the mother of your child. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, no, that's okay. I, di- I digress. And if we forget anybody, just, again, send us emails or audio. Please forgive about us. About your character because we're right. trying to come up with these on the fly and... Okay, so so that's that's all the regular characters. Now we have new new folks involved. Mm-hmm. We have Ensign Shelby Deline, who who is, is part Romulan. Yes, she's half human, half Romulan. Pretty cool. Yeah, and she has a uh, another. She also has a good backstory. And and I think she's assistant because of the fact that she's half Romulan. Which, by the way, I have to say that some of these scenes are so descriptive and so great. Actually, the, all the writing has been excellent, but I really enjoyed the um, – I don't know if we're playing it this week, but I really enjoyed the scene where um, Shelby is on the um, – is guarding the ship on the uh, on the Romulan vessel. Mm-hmm. She's guarding the runabout, uh-huh. and we kind of have a Star Wars scene go on, and it's really quite good. I was impressed. Like a uh, Darth like Maul and Obi-Wan right. fight scene. Yeah. It was really good. She and Brian collaborated on that post and very nice we, we brought him up we can talk about his character who is a full-blooded romulan one of the evacuees on the runabout right the right arabella is now visiting right what's her name nala nala and she she had in mind to uh take the ship and go yeah she was gonna get escape. out of it she was gonna yeah mm-hmm. which i thought was really interesting new no. and then so, we have herm yes and Herm is a ricin. Which we've never really had. We've never explored the... So is, is that like the like Risa, like the pleasure uh-huh. planet? He is. But oh, he, okay. he has um, the pleasure uh, turned planet. away from those ways. And he had joined some type <laughs> of religious um, organization. And ah. that's how he became a part of the Federation. Or was introduced to the Federation. So he's not a, like 
on uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture. You know the the bald headed lady that was like a. <laughs> it was really difficult for everyone to resist. Ilea. Ilea, yeah. She's mm, yes. He's not like that. Your name is Decker. Yeah. <laughs> so, Feature. And he has a, a pretty good backstory. He's the um, anthropology and archaeology officer. Which I think is really interesting because if you read some of the posts now, you'll notice that he is getting his he's getting his orders not from the captain of the ship, which is going to cause some problems. I think he's got some. Yeah, he's got somebody uh, yanking uh, yanking him around, and there's a there's an alternate mission going on with him. Ah, and well, so it's not good to get in to get crosswise with Savril. I know you're not. It's not going to be good. I'm telling you. But I think it's going to it's going to cause some great uh, tension, which mm-hmm. is fine. Which is fine. Oh yeah. We like Let's it. see. Is there is there any other new characters that we have? I'm trying to think. We have now. some that have not entered the story yet. Well, they're okay. not new, but they're um, established characters, like Casey's character, the half Orion entertainer in the in right, Arabella. right. She right. she re up. She had a little backstory, but she's not entered the story yet. She's probably just waiting for all the evacuees to come back aboard, because yeah. right now there's an away mission going on, and and everyone's just doing their duty. But no, all, I don't think there's any new characters other than that. Okay, and so do we want to talk about where um, where the storyline is going, or do we? Is that just going to happen as as people sure. listen to the posts? Yeah, sure. We can. Okay. We can kind of go over that. Okay. Well, basically, we it started off and and we introduced um, where we were headed and what we were doing, and we run into our first rescue mission, mm-hmm. and you as the captain have have assigned a, an away team because the transporters aren't working because the vessel is cloaked or partly cloaked. The, and there's the some, ship some type in contact of... with was attacked by a rogue warbird. Right. And so we extended our shields around them to protect them from a second attack because we right. suspected they were nearby. But their right. their engines are leaking some type of like... Weird radiation, radiation thing. Or right? something that was preventing... The, the transport. And, and there's like a power drain from the cloak. And there's a whole bunch of factors that are preventing a, you know, transport. So they sent a runabout. And you and you picked a, a, a rather strategic away team to go. Mm-hmm. And they're over there on the ship right now yes. trying to rescue a bunch of people that they couldn't really get with their sensors until they got there. Uh, Zram detected 20 people in the right. cargo. 24 people in, in the um, the engine room. And, and isn't there had, a whole lot more than that? Yeah, Savril spoke to the senator, one of the senators in the engine room. Um, the, she answered the hail, so she they she knew that it were you know mostly senators. But when they get over there, they realize there's a lot more people on the ship. Right, the senators like, might be in in engineering, but there's some refugees below, right? Below decks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, and there's a. Um, Cardassian there as well. Which oh, that was fascinating. To mm-hmm. he was in the back of engineering, and nobody knows what he's there for. Yeah, he's in the cargo hole actually. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Be, that's yeah, right. Yeah, he was going to be in engineering, but they. And I thought it was interesting because who who's writing his character? Who was that that posted um, that's that? Meds. Okay, well, he did a great job because I he he's kind of playing off Gold Goldicott from Deep Space Nine's personality because uh-huh. he's, he's you know he's got that same sarcastic. Kind of uh, toying back and forth with the Federation. I right. thought that was interesting. Yeah, we don't know why he, he's there. And the Cardassians have kind of a, a treaty or an alliance with the Federation right now. So it's kind of odd to find him on a Romulan ship. Yeah, what's he doing there? Yeah. So that's our little intrigue in the works. 
I like that. And then, of course, we have an injured senator. Uh-huh. Um, Navash. When Savril spoke to her, she was kind of bitter, of course, because they don't want the Federation's help. They don't know why yeah. they're in their space. Well, they suspect they're just there to, like, scavenge or, you know, right, right. conquer. Right. And um, But they're in kind of dire straits, so they have to accept their help. And, and right before the communication is cut off, someone yells at her because she said, you know, she nodded her permission for them to come aboard. Someone yells at her. And when right. they show up, um, Ryla discovers that somebody's got a chest wound and it's this senator. So you think somebody tried to kill her oh, because yeah. she, yeah. Well, um, I wrote later that um, one of the senators, the other senators, stabbed her. You know, for, oh, got it. for dishonoring them with with accepting help from the Federation. Boy, so. glad we don't do that in our government, eh? Yeah, and, but the aide of the senator who stabbed her beat the other one with his cane. So yeah, and then and then is holding the holding the wound. Uh, yeah, he's holding the wound over Senator Navesh. By the way, great job on the whole green thing because their blood is green. And I thought, so the writing was really great. And then also I thought it was fascinating that their red alert is green alert, yeah. which would make sense. Yeah. It totally makes sense in their universe, you know. So I was getting a kick out of that. Yeah, Eric wrote that. I wasn't That sure. was awesome. Yeah, I think he knows a lot more about the, the Romulans. And he has a whole section on the boards called Romulan 101. That 101, I saw that. People are using that to, as a reference or a resource. That's so funny. <laughs> and now, class, let's learn about the Romulan culture. <laughs> Okay, oh, okay. Mr. Tolak. We forgot about Mr. Tolak. Oh, okay. He's Who's the, Mr. He's Tolak? He's a new character. He's the chief okay. engineer. Oh, yes, Sorry, yes, yes. Feathers. It's Feathers' character. Um, he wrote, uh, he created a Vulcan named Mr. Tolak, but um, Tolak is the chief engineer aboard uh, Arabella. So, sorry about that. I was just scrolling through our posts and I saw his name and... And I went, oh, that's right. Tolok is there, mm -hmm. which I, th I think is great because if Galdar and Tolok talk to each other, they'll be beside themselves. <laughs> I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So, so Mike, do you... and Ryla. That's, that's right. <laughs> that, that'll be interesting. <laughs> so I don't. OK. So anyway, as far as the uh, the story so far, um, we're basically waiting now. I mean, I just read the last post last night um, before I went to bed and uh, we're, we're at the point now where. And I hope this isn't spoiling it for everybody, but uh, uh, we're at the point now where the aid has been rendered, and now um, Catan, I believe, decloaked the Romulan vessel so that the the interference would stop, so that they would be able to use the transporters. Yeah, exactly. and and also find everybody else there that, that needed help uh -huh. with the sensors and everything, and that's cleared everything up. However, on their way out, they're being blocked by some some debris and some damage to the ship. So it'll be interesting to see how they get everybody out of there if they use – because from what I understand, the transporter is limited now to only one or two people at a time. Mm -hmm. Is that what I gather? Yeah. And, and so they're trying to figure out how to get these people to the runabout. And, of course, at the same time, and another storyline of it, um, the runabout is um, – was almost commandeered. But, but uh, there's a – you have to read to find out what happens there. But it was a really interesting situation in the shuttle bay. Mm -hmm. But it was good. It was great. So we really don't know what's going to happen yet. And everybody on the Arabella is with a lot of anticipation trying to figure out what's going to happen when these folks get over there. You've got some crew members that see them as enemies. 
You've got other crew members that see them as we're rendering like we're supposed to be doing, rendering aid Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, and lending a hand and trying to help them. And then you've got others that I think have a lot more that they're thinking about. So it should be interesting. Yeah. When Savril and Margon talked on the bridge, he told her that there was a lot of tension amongst the crew. Right. So she gave him an order to uh, visit each of the departments. And remind them. <laughs> yeah, that they're not suspects, they're survivors. And That's the right. only reason we're there is to help them. Right. So, yeah. Which which is going to be fun, because I've got to figure out how to talk to these different folks and put their minds at ease. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we went a little further than, than the post that we're covering this week, but uh, we may not have another chance to do commentary, so... That's you know, true. Next week. So this, this should help. Well, I think I, I just want to say that the, everybody's done a great job at writing and, and uh, the, the storyline is really cool. It's, it, I told Jen before we started, I told you before we started recording that I feel like this is a, um, it's a really good next generation episode to me. I, I really like this whole idea. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so it should be very interesting to see how it pans out here. I'm so curious of what's going to happen when they get on the ship. Yeah, I agree. The The writing is, is elevated. You know, it's turned up a notch a little bit. I think when that, you know, when there are people that are really pushing themselves to write that, you know, in, in thinking about the way they word their sentences and everything, it challenges us, Yes, I guess, to to meet that level or whatever. Yeah, and I've noticed a lot of improvement in writing with several of the 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 veterans and the newbies that are coming in. They're well, you know, really you know what I too. what I like is everybody kind of has jumped into the descriptive part mm-hmm. of the world around them. So I get a little bit more of the universe as they're talking about. You know, of, we I get a little bit more picture of where they're at and what's going on, mm-hmm. and and I like that because it's it's more of a novelization than it is a. Uh, just a dialogue. I don't know how to describe that, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm finding it very interesting and fascinating that the that the 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 picture being painted is much more rich yeah. as far as concerned. I agree, and that's the way our RPG has always been kind of set up. You know, since season two, season one is a little different because there's another moderator. Um, I didn't know anything about RPGs or writing, you right. know, in them, and so my my thought was that this would flow like a book. And, right. and not like, um, you, you know, like just tagging people or whatever, um, because I didn't know that wasn't my experience. So I didn't know how it was done on other RPG, uh, you know, places where you'd, you'd write. Right. I'm rambling now. But uh, so that, <laughs> R-A-M-B-ling. So this rambling. could be a little different than uh, some of the, the new people have experienced in the way it flows. But I, I am I have noticed also that the descriptions are are better this season yeah. and i think it helps because um of the, maybe the help it helps because we know the romulans from the television shows it's not right. an invented species we've seen right. episodes that you know take place on romulan ships we know right. how they act we know that they don't like us we know what color their blood is you know right all that jazz like that so it, that helps a lot yes and now these people are going to be on our ship <laughs> <laughs> causing trouble. The other thing we didn't bring up is that these, the survivors that are below deck, below the senators, aren't real happy with the senators. So right. those two are going to be on our, our ship together. and There'll be some tension. We're going to have to keep them from killing each other. So I envision yeah. you know, the TOS, TOS episode where the Andorian um, 
diplomat and the Vulcans were at each other. Do you remember that? Yep, yep, and that was good. Somebody killed well, another person, and right because yeah. they ate live meat for their, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what they ate, and then the, then one of the senators was killed, and yeah, yeah. So that we're gonna have that kind of a story. It'll be a whodunit. That'll be awesome. Yeah. I look forward to that. Now, oh, you know, one thing I forgot to mention, which I thought was an interesting part of the of the posts, is that remember the the Admiral Jerak, uh, the Romulan that defected on Next Generation. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, he had yeah, that's a, a relative of the Cardassian half human. You mean the Romulan? I mean Romulan. <laughs> Sorry. No, oh, all these were, things are getting confusing. Yeah, Nala, Nala's full yeah. Romulan, and Shelby that's Dwayne right. is half Romulan. But. That's right. Okay, okay. So now, which one of them is related to Admiral Jerak? That, that's Nala. But I think, okay. yeah, another Romulan adopted her whenever he defected or something. Right, I right. So. Something like that. Anyway, I thought that was cool to bring that in because that I, I enjoyed that episode. Mm-hmm. Of Next Generation, and I, I, I've always liked that. They had that actor play several characters in The Next Generation and throughout the series, and uh, I just enjoyed him. And uh, so that was cool to see kind of that. A little nod. Yeah, interjected in there. That was great. I love that when things like that go on. It's great. Yeah, me too. I think that's, that's the story so far. Yeah. So do you have any tips or, or suggestions for us, Jen? Yes. As, I, okay. I have a few. All right, let us let's hear them. All right, I always hate this part though because <laughs> I don't want to cramp anybody's style and. Well, just a minute here, just a minute. Hold on, hold on one second. Ready? Okay. Okay, okay we're just gonna pour a nice cold <laughs> one while you give this. Just a minute. Oh, I just poured it all over my my shirt. Okay. Oh, oh no. <laughs> was it Rico Cola? <laughs> no, it was Diet Pepsi, but that's okay. Ooh, it's cold. Anyway, I wanted the nice sound effect of popping a cold one and listening to you tell us what you need us to do. Okay, <laughs> tell us what you need us to do, Jen. Okay, yeah. Like I said, I don't like doing this part. But we need to be careful of the length of the posts. Um, they shouldn't be too long. A couple of the posts are really, really, really long. And they could be broken up into two or three posts. They don't have to be all in one post. It just kind of helps people that have trouble they they see a block of you know a huge block of words and they kind of go oh you know i don't want like, to like like me that. yeah like me I, you know i liked it when when just the other day you guys had collaborated on a big long one uh-huh. but you split it up into four posts yeah and that was helpful for me they're still kind of lengthy but uh, i don't know there's not a magic number of paragraphs but if you have to keep scrolling a long, long way, then it's too long, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of a maximum length. Probably if you look at post one or post zero, those are the maximum length that you can probably put up. Right. Anything longer than that is too long. But that is one thing. And then okay. um, just little things that have already been corrected. They were corrected a long time ago. But just in case somebody new is listening to our old Ready Room podcasts and are thinking of joining, um, we don't put tags in our posts, like outer character comments and parentheses. We have a section on our board for that. And um, people that are writing in the in the story are really good about responding right away because they're reading it, too, and they want to jump in. And if they see that someone's asking their character a question, they're going to come really quickly and, you know, within like a day or so, respond to that. So Right, right. And that's the other thing about our RPG. We're kind of laid back here 
we have we know that everyone has real lives they have kids they have jobs so if they don't get back right away it doesn't mean they're not gonna not gonna post they're just you know doing their real life and then they're gonna they're gonna post when they have the time so we try to give those people a chance to do that so we don't well you help me out a lot story quickly huh well, like you helped me out the other day when you – I mean just yesterday you said, hey, by the way, I just want you to know I threw Marg on a little uh, task to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and which is great because I didn't really know what to do with him. I mean he's just waiting for people to come over and I didn't know – I was on the bridge with you guys and I didn't know what to do. And that was great because so now I have a little a task at hand. But you were nice enough just to say, hey, you know, I threw you a little thing there. When you get time, you know, yeah. maybe and you can write towards that, which is great. That's what I suggest doing. If you've, if you've – um, if you've tagged somebody, and when I say tag, that means like, you know, the game of tag. Like tag, you're it. You're, Not like tag on your blog. Yeah, it's yeah. your turn to tell the story. Just send them a direct, like a, a, a PM or an email, if you know their email address, and say, hey, you know, this is what I said about your character just whenever you get around to doing it, you know. Right. And that right. way they know and they can think about it. Because some of the people that are writing in their RPG, they like to let it stew a little bit, you know, about what they're going to say. Right, and then they post, and then there's some right. people that are just bam, they they write it right into the <laughs> the little like, comment what? box and go for it. But yeah, yeah. And then the uh, another comment I would say is just be careful of your punctuation and your spelling. No, oh, why? Why do we have to be careful? Because <laughs> our readers that are reading for the ready room, <laughs> I, ain't, I I ain't got to do that. You yeah. know, we're trying to keep our writing and spelling and all that correct as possible so be careful please when you're writing yes. uh, oh okay yeah. anything else I want to nag about <laughs> I, can't think about any- I can't think of anything else I wrote Savril giving everybody something to do at the beginning so don't skim posts even if they're long look at the details of the post and try to remember that because one thing that I've had some trouble with um, I know it's not like horrible or anything it's just as the only person modding the story it's hard for me to like keep everybody um on the same track and coloring the lines um there were a bunch of things like that that keep happening because there's so many writers this season and they're excited about it because it's new and they want to jump in and they may be missing some details and there's just so much written there's like over 40 posts already and we're only two weeks in so I would say that if you jump in, read first. And if you have to, even make little notes. Just be careful okay. of the details. All right. And uh, Good. that's it. I'm done. Excellent, 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 excellent. Well, we would love feedback. We'd love to hear what you think is going on with the RPG. Um, maybe you have some comments or you just want to say hi or whatever. We would welcome comments. You can send them to the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. That's the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear about your character. Maybe you could explain a little bit about what your character is and what the difference is between the last, you know, the timelines and all that jazz or alternate universes or whatever. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know how to say it. But we, would, we welcome that. Or email. You can always email the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear feedback. Definitely. Yeah. We would. And especially since we don't expect to have these big, long commentary shows very often at all maybe right and um it would be nice to squeeze in somebody's audio comments about what they like about the story which characters they like the best what exchanges mm-hmm. they like you know maybe even something about their own character send us stuff like that and we'll mix it into our shows so that there is commentary with our would, post readings 
that would be designed great to keep people up to date those post readings and they're also designed to entertain you know because there's right. people that are listening to this show who are not writers and they don't frequent the forum and right. that's why we do it so yeah remember you know just send us your comments we yeah. like hearing from people we do especially from you <laughs> so send it in and don't delay hey, and don't delay that's right we look forward to having Kenny back on the program eventually. Yes. So that'll be awesome. And uh, anything else you can think of that we need to talk about? You can make comments on the forum under the mm-hmm. um, Ready Room podcast thread. Is that it? I think so. Well, then. I'm re- wait, 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 wait. Guys, this is Kenny. Uh, before we close Hailing Frequencies, why don't we play some of this week's RPG readings? Take it away, guys. With only the invitation of the missing Empress Donatra and their treaty with the Imperial Romulan State as their justification, Starfleet's humanitarian task force, the Seventh Fleet, was launched to provide aid and stability to the gravely wounded Romulan people. The Hobus Ultra Nova did not recognize the boundaries of the fractured empire, and both halves suffered greatly from the incalculable devastation. Soon the enemies of the Romulans, and perhaps even their allies, would begin picking their bones. Yet Starfleet's goal was that its envoy of peace would quite simply help where needed, and if possible, explore the unknown region while they were at it. In a darkened room, just over a dozen officers quietly gathered for the first of their weekly meetings. The majority consisted of captains and first officers from each of the seven Starfleet vessels that made up the amply named Seventh Fleet. Rear Admiral Nathaniel Jacob Quinn greeted them before activating the hollow map. In the center of the large circular table was a holographic display of Romulan space and the location of each of the starships that were currently passing through the remains of the system. The position of non-Federation ships in the immediate area and other locations of interest were also included in the three-dimensional hollow. The representation generated by the table was provided by the combined data from the stellar cartography departments of each fleet ship. Presently, that data formed the floating square wedge of the sector. As the flagship of the 7th Fleet, it was the role of the Arabella to balance the requests of each of the other ships with their mission objectives. More often than not, the aid offered resulted in the temporary division of their small task force. Currently, the Luna-class medical ship, the USS Phlox, was stationed in the Unroth system to provide medical assistance to the colony there. Joining the Phlox was the Intrepid-class II Lily Sloan, an engineering vessel that currently assisted in the repairs to the colony's failing equipment. Both ships were being provided defensive support by the Prometheus-class Negling, which remained in higher orbit just over the other vessels. In the Chaltok system, the Akira-class Gabriel Bell provided protection to the Olympia-class medical ship Boris Yegorov, the Intrepid-class II Henry Archer, and a group of Romulan vessels from a nearby colony that they escorted to the system. The soft glow of a hollow image cast the room in orbiting colors. Savril's face was illuminated by the blue and green grid that slowly traveled her delicate features before sliding over her shoulder and crossing to her first officer seated nearby. Commander James' color-shifting eyes caught the hues as the movement of light and shape panned over his face and continued to the next officer at the table. Eric turned his gaze towards his wife as she gestured to a specific location in the hollow and magnified the image as much as possible. 
we detected a distress call in the sector. The vessel is heavily damaged and in need of aid. Since all other ships in the fleet are currently occupied, the Arabella will divert its course to offer assistance. If you need additional help, we could deploy our fighters to protect the system and plot an intercept course, Captain Thalora of the Gabriel Bell added, after taking a sip of her beverage and setting it back on the table. The antennae that protruded above her shock of white hair dipped slightly as she leaned forward to gaze down the table at Eric and Savril, who had been her friend since their days at the academy. Savril nodded in acknowledgement, but turned her head towards the Englishman who joined the conversation. Reese Peters, the current commander in charge of the Nagling's rotating captaincy, reached out and indicated a possible flight plan on the display. If worse comes to worse, I believe it may be safer and faster for the Nagling to aid the Arabella instead. Captain Peters is correct, Captain Taras of the Flocks added. In the event of hostilities, one of the medical vessels needs to be absent an escort. We are better prepared to defend ourselves. The Nagling's absence won't be as hard felt as the Bell's. This looks like a blue milk run, Commander James spoke. We should be able to rendezvous with the fleet in less than three days at maximum warp. Bridge to Captain Savril, a hoarse voice interrupted over the comm system. We're preparing to exit warp. Thank you, Mr. Galdar, replied Savril as she rose from her place at the table. I apologize, but we must bring this meeting to a close. There were nods of agreement as Savril turned for the door with Eric following behind. Computer, close holographic communications. One by one, all the members of the meeting vanished as their holographic avatars shut off. The room was now empty save for the meeting table and the departing captain and first officer. Let's hope this is a blue milk run as you call it, Kidiwa. Savril projected through her bond to her husband. Eric smiled down at her as they proceeded to the bridge. You're not comparing this to that Bolian trade ship, are you? Had that idiot not attempted to go to warp with our ship still attached to her, it would have been an easy mission. How was I to know he was going to leech power from the Aurora to power his engines and flee at the first sign of trouble? I think this might go a little better than that. In spite of his vocal response, Servil proceeded telepathically. You may be right. Her internal voice paused briefly before continuing. Despite my attempts to suppress it, you often draw the emotive response of anxiety near the surface when you lead away missions. The children and I... She stopped the thought before it can be completed and glanced up at Eric. Please be more cautious, she uttered in the professional tone of a Starfleet captain. They stopped before the turbo lift as the door opened to reveal three crewmen. The personnel instantly acknowledged the captain and first officer as they stepped into the corridor. Savril returned their greetings as she and Eric entered the lift and turned to face the door that had closed behind them. Deck one, the woman ordered with the apparent serenity of a typical Vulcan. I will, Eric thought back to her. No matter how improbable, I will always find my way home. Captain on the deck, Lieutenant Commander Catan barked when Savril and Eric exited the turbo lift. Status report? Commander James queried on his way to the first officer's chair. We are in the outer edge of the system, Galdor replied. Heavy debris has made warp in this system dangerous. Savril nodded once and gracefully took her own seat. She cast a casual glance to Lieutenant Commander DeCollin, who manned the tactical position. Looking up from his readings, the chief of security spoke. 
We have the damaged vessel on our sensors, and no visible signs of other craft. Sensors indicate earlier weapons fire, but does not rule out the presence of cloaked vessels. No sooner than Dakan had finished, Catan spoke up to continue the well-trained flow of information. Sensors indicate the ship has suffered critical structural damage. Primary communication and warp drive appear to be offline. I have two dozen life signs clustered in the engineering section of the vessel. Life support systems and shields are failing. Savril de Sickbay. Dread here, Captain. Prepare your staff for an influx of Romulan casualties. Understood, Mr. Tolog, she said to the Vulcan seated at the con. Please ready an engineering team. Aye, Captain, he said, then rose quickly and left the bridge. Savril straightened in her chair. Yellow alert. At the mention of the new condition, Lieutenant Commander Catan raised the shields. Since entering the Romulan system, Arabella, acting as a scout ship, had discovered evidence of pirates. The raiders chose lone vessels and crippled colonies as their pillaging targets, and the devastation left in their wake was abhorrent. Though the fleet had yet to actually cross paths with a roving pirate vessel, Savril was not about to take her chances. The slight Vulcan glanced to the Ferengi at the helm, Mr. Galdar, plot a conic intersection path for the damaged ship. Full impulse. I do not want to threaten them by our approach. Aye, Captain. Course laid in. ETA, two hours and thirty-seven minutes. Engage. Before them, the bow of a small ship seemed to protrude from the mouth of an unseen serpent as the half-cloaked vessel drifted just off the Arabella's forward section. The battered craft had obviously seen better days. Would you look at that? said Decon in surprise from his place at the tactical console. Savril slowly lifted a prominent brow. Whoever had attacked them was likely nearby. Extend our shields to encompass the vessel. Decon nodded in response. Yes, ma'am. Mr. Catan, please open a hailing frequency. Aye, Captain, came the even base of the Terran sitting at the operations kiosk. A rapid succession of melodious chimes accompanied the movement of his fingers over the console before him. Hailing frequency open. The Vulcan straightened in her chair as she addressed the disfigured spectacle before them. Romulan Vessel, this is Captain Savril of the USS Arabella. We received your distress call and are willing to provide assistance. For a moment, an echo of silence was all the answer they received. The helmsman exchanged a quick glance with the ensign seated at the con, then shifted his eyes back to the disembodied craft on the screen. After a span of several long minutes, a gaunt face appeared on the viewer. The image shifted unpredictably due to the interference, but despite the static, the bridge crew could make out the woman in several forms huddled behind her. A smoky green haze drifted about the Romulan's sharp features as she leaned forward to better see the image on her own screen. A Starfleet vessel. Why should this surprise me? Cowards only strike when their enemies are weakened, she spat. An imperceptible crease in the captain's brow followed the Romulan's cold response. She rose slowly and took a single step towards the viewer. I assure you, we are only here to render aid. If you require medical assistance or passage, we are equipped to provide both. With whom am I speaking? The woman smoothed the tattered remnants of her high-collared formal black tunic. Senator Navash. She gave the Starfleet captain a disdainful glare before sighing in consternation. 
I would prefer to reject your offer, Vulcan. But we are in no position to do so. Navash! shouted a man from behind her. A brief exchange of whispered protests and rebuttals could be heard before the woman flicked her eyes back to Savril. You may come aboard. Perhaps your crew could repair the damage so that we may be on our way. Our scans indicate that your vessel is damaged beyond repair. As such, rescue would seem the most logical option. The radiation from your engines will disrupt our ability to secure a transporter lock. If you are in agreement, I will send a team to extract all survivors via shuttle. The two women stared at one another a moment before Savril broke the silence. Senator, who attacked you? A warbird. Navash worked her jaw in agitation before snapping her permission with a curt nod and ending communication. Warbird? Savril thought. Eric's gaze fell on her as he heard her voice in his mind. There was no hesitation following the Romulan's consent. Savril's orders came before she had fully turned to face the chief science officer. Mr. Zrem, she uttered in an unaffected tone. Please search for signs of cloaked vessels. Her gaze shifted to Eric as he rose from his chair. Mr. Catan, Mr. DeCollin, gear up. You're with me. With a swift movement of his hand, the first officer tapped the badge pinned to his chest. Commander James to Dr. Drett and Ensign Delin. Report to main shuttle bay. We're boarding the Romulan vessel. Eric then transmitted a request for backup crew to assume the positions that would soon be vacated on the bridge and ordered the shuttle bay to ready a runabout. Without waiting for replacements to arrive, he briskly entered the turbo lift. Savril moved to her command chair and settled herself into it. All hands, prepare for the arrival of evacuees. Secure the armory and all essential areas. Sick bay, stand by to receive injured. Engineering, begin converting Shuttle Bay 2 into temporary dormitories until housing can be determined. The captain pushed a lock of raven hair behind one ear and leaned forward slightly as she addressed the helmsman. Mr. Galdar, plot a course for a rendezvous with the fleet. Once everyone is safely aboard the Arabella, engage at maximum warp. Aye, Captain. The Carlin stood in the turbo lift, slightly behind Eric and next to Catan. He turned his head to look at his old friend. In unison, they smiled. They were both in departments responsible for looking after the ship and the people on it. They craved excitement, danger and adrenaline pulsed through his veins. Eric noticed an obvious shift in his officer's feelings and he turned to his men. Here we go, gentlemen. Joseph looked up and wondered about the damaged vessel. Hostile times. Hostile waters. Let's go fishing, sir. Beta team. Lieutenant Commander Tolok spoke quietly and evenly as befitted one of the Vulcan race. Please proceed to Shuttle Bay 2 and configure it for emergency accommodation. The excess craft will need to be moved to Bay 3 for the moment. It appears we will be having visitors. Tapping his chest, he closed the channel and returned his attention to the readouts before him. To his right, the warp core illuminated the engineering deck, idling but ready should it be required. The increased alert status dictated by their presence outside of Federation space made for a corresponding increase in his crew's workload. But in terms of the efficiencies it engendered from both personnel and equipment, the trade-off was acceptable to the engineer. Tapping the readout in front of him, Tolok turned back to the lieutenant beside him. I would suggest that you keep an eye on it for the moment, lieutenant, and let me know if it rises beyond 1.5%. 
Nodding, the officer turned and headed for the door while Tolok returned to his rounds of engineering. As the tall Andorian deftly worked the controls at the bridge science station, he felt a slight twinge go up his right arm. Ignoring it, he completed the second scan of the area. I can detect no other vessels, cloaked or otherwise, in the vicinity currently, Captain. I will continue to scan and search for who might have attacked the Romulan ship. Very good, Mr. Zrem. See if you can boost the power to the long-range sensors. That may help in your search, the captain said as Zrem gave her a slight tilt of his head. The two friends did not need words always to convey their thoughts. In many ways, Andorians and Vulcans were alike, but also very different as well, Zrem thought as he continued his task. Auxiliary Engineering, this is Lieutenant Commander Zrem on the bridge. Please transfer additional power to the long-range sensors in order to boost their gain. And stand by for further instructions, Zerem said as he waited for acknowledgement. This is Ensign Barton, Commander. You should have that additional power now, sir. I'll see if I can get you a bit more, the young officer said as he adjusted the power distribution among the secondary systems. Very good, Ensign. Zerem out, the blue-skinned chief science officer said as he closed the channel. As he readied a new set of scan parameters, he tried to recall why the ensign's voice sounded familiar to him. But the Romulans are bad, said the young Bajoran in disgust. I know you and I haven't uh, known each other too long, Brex, said Margon. These people need our help, and if anyone can relate, it would be you, my young man. What if they turn on us, or if they get on board and blow up the ship, Brex said with an exaggerated fear just to see what the counselor would do. They aren't going to blow up the ship. Settle down. Do you have more to do? You're supposed to give the dog a bath and tidy up your room before company tonight. Yeah, I know, said Brex in a lethargic tone. Come on, Sumo. The black lab shook its head and lobbed over to the boy. Its eyes were warm, and he was simply excited for the attention. I always get soaked doing this, Margon. He acted as though he didn't love it, but he did. He was the one that convinced the counselor that they needed a pet, and Margon didn't take long to say yes. He knew that this mission would keep him busy with the crew, and it wouldn't be fair to Brex to be all alone. Besides, a boy and a dog was a proven equation for happiness. Young Brex had a very hard few last years, and he needed some TLC. Sumo was great therapy. You'll be fine, Brex. Just remember to clean up your mess, he smiled. I need to run. The refugees are being shuttled on board, and I need to go see if I can be of some service. Okay, but watch your back. You never know what could happen, Brex said in his best secret service agent voice. Don't help any spies. Margon shook his head and smiled. Don't worry about me, young man. I can take care of myself. Now, go and get Sumo better smelling. On my way, Commander, said the trill as she rose from her desk. Ryla gathered the flaxen hair that fell over her shoulders before lifting the med kit that she prepared two hours before and stepping onto the floor. It had been an eventful week for the rest of the crew, but Sikbe had seen very little activity. I'm off, ladies, she said to Myella Peterson and the head nurse, Susan Kane. When I return, you may be a whole lot busier than you have been in the recent past. Enjoy the peace while you can, she said with a wink, then proceeded to the transparent double doors with a purposeful gait. 
The slight change in temperature greeted her as she stepped from the corridor into the main shuttle bay. It was empty, save for a few crewmen readying the runabout. Ryla was notorious for being late when off-duty, yet while on duty, the trill was never anything other than premature. This fact could be attributed to her position as chief medical officer. A doctor could never afford to be late when lives hung in the balance. The clack of her boots reverberated as she entered the cavernous room and strode towards the personnel minding the craft. Good morning, gentlemen, she said in a melodious tone. One of the four men stumbled down the ramp as her greeting was eagerly returned. Oh, watch your step, Mr. Olson. His face flushed as the others passed each other knowing glances. Lieutenant Olson smoothed his jacket and then his hair as he nodded to the trill. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I guess you're going on the away mission? He asked in a nervous voice. Yes, I'm a little early. The other three officers finished prepping the shuttle as Olsen laughed awkwardly and wrung his hands before him. Ryla noted his uncharacteristic nervousness, but tried not to make it obvious. Uh, well, um, maybe when you get back we could, um... Ryla gave him a friendly smile and nodded in understanding. Sure. I'm not certain how long I'll be or how busy I may be afterwards, but... But if you don't mind a late dinner, I'd be happy to accompany you to the afterburner. Jared Olsen lifted his chin a little higher, and his smile lost its awkward appearance as it broadened. No, no, I don't mind at all. Owl, Eric James said to the tween girl that stood before him as he placed his custom phaser in its holster. It was a weapon that had served him during too many Federation conflicts. It was a tool that was first made before his daughter was born. Keep your eyes wide open, be aware of the shadows, and return to the nest at any sign of trouble. Aria James quoted the family condition code from memory. It was one of more than two dozen animal-related code words that effortlessly informed James' children of their parents' expectations of them in a wide variety of situations. Her Vulcan brow raised in mild annoyance to having to explain her understanding. I know all of the code words, Father. I know you do, Eric said, and added a laser cutter to his carry-all. You're just humoring an old man. Arya smiled at her father. It was a smile that was rarely seen outside of the privacy of their quarters. She didn't suppress her emotions. She controlled them in ways that were still impressive to her parents. She effortlessly balanced logic and emotion, using both as needed. She was good at it, but she wasn't perfect. She was still a young woman, and her emotions could get the better of her if she was not prepared. I think you're only doing this to delay continuing my flight training. You already know how to fly shuttles, Eric laughed. What else do you want to know? I believe that it is in the better interest of the juveniles aboard this ship if I am also instructed in advanced maneuvers and weapon systems, Arya said stoically. If a condition alert requires our departure, it would be most logical for the eldest organic being to have the skills necessary in facilitating our escape. So, you thought it all through and you think it's a good idea for a teenager to learn how to fire shuttle weapons? Eric mused. Yes, his daughter replied, as if there was nothing more to be added. She had a logical reason for her request, and it was sound logic. She understood that it would also be an impressive achievement to share with her peers. When do you propose to do this advanced training? 
the father asked the daughter as he continued to load his gear. I will have to consult my schedule, Aria said softly. She had goals and plans for herself, and piloting was one of the skills that she wanted to master long before she needed to apply to the academy. Have you or your mother spoken with Dr. Drett yet? I'll speak to your mother about it. I believe she was going to do it. I still don't know how the doctor will take to having a minor attempting to help out in sickbay, but you seem to have fixated on adding that to your resume. Arya nodded. I need to take advantage of my surroundings and learn everything I can before I enlist. Arik smiled. She was so much like her mother. Their children were the best of them, and Arya made no excuses about who and what she was. Of course you do. You're going to be the youngest captain ever. I haven't seen a reason to doubt you achieving that. The twins are finishing a class on the holodeck with Rory. Arya spoke softly between helping her father's packing by adding spare power cells that he would have likely forgotten. She loved her daddy, but when he got focused on something, he could overlook the little things. If it wasn't for her and her mother, he wouldn't be anywhere as prepared as they got him. Thank you, he replied as his communicator gave an alert chirp. The runabout he requested was ready for final inspection. I'll see the four of you in a few hours for dinner. Oh, can I pick the world we're dining from tonight? I know it's your turn, but you're going to be busy. Eric grinned and hugged his little girl. As long as it's not Klingon again. Galdar sat quietly at the con of the Arabella and waited for something to happen. If holodeck simulations counted as real experience, then this wasn't the first time he'd answered a distress call from a disabled vessel within Romulan space. The Kobayashi Maru was only a Starfleet command track training exercise, but the parallels with their current situation were striking. Galdar had taken that test, and lost his ship as a result. The loss still smarted, even after some years, but the ache of it was nothing when compared to the loss of the friendship he had nearly sacrificed as a result of the same exercise. Grimacing slightly, Galdar recalled his arrangement to meet with Ryla Dredd after their shift for a long overdue drink. Didn't look like there was much chance of that happening today. With the Maru, Galdar had been in the big chair, but had ended up at the con. Here, piloting was his only responsibility, but it was just as important. Hands moving deftly, the Ferengi manipulated the flight display and crafted his navigation solution for the fleet rendezvous requested by the captain. As the other ships moved and his plot aged, the lieutenant configured his console with a series of intercept corrections to ensure a shortest path course was always laid in. Should it become necessary to act quickly, the pilot was ready. To his left, Commander Zrem worked the science station. To his right, an ensign manned the engineering station. As con officer, interface with engineering was one of his responsibilities, but in these somewhat strained circumstances, he was pleased to be relieved of that task for the moment. Course plotted and ready at your command, Captain. The dim lights in the security office left only an eerie yellow glow to intermittently illuminate the figure which sat behind the desk. Everything was calm, and yet there was still an underlying tension hovering in the room. Ensign Dalen had been observing what she could of the Arabella's comm systems to stay informed ever since it had crossed into Romulan space. The deceptively lean officer had been studying the scanners, monitors, and updates with battleship gray orbs, which didn't betray any of the truth within. Behind those eyes, though, sat a myriad of emotions, capped and hidden to everyone since... Since what? 
the destruction of the Romulan homeworlds? Why did it bother her so? After all, as callous as it might sound, what had she lost? Grandparents and family who never truly accepted her, or a people who shunned her for her human lineage? Despite this fact, it was surprising that, internally, the tragedy was chipping away at her. All those people, gone in a flash second. There'd been no escape or reprieve for them, although they had been warned. The woman's hand held a stylus, soundlessly as it tapped against the desk at an almost intentional pace, yet it didn't seem to disrupt the woman's attentions from the desktop display. When the Arabella exited hyperspace and located the ship they had received the distress call from, the ensign studied the monitors. There before her sat the ghostly vision of a semi-cloaked Romulan vessel. No emotions played on her expression as she simply watched it list uselessly just off the ship's forward section. The woman finally took a breath. She hadn't even realized that she'd been holding it. From what she could see, the ship was bruised and derelict. Dalen stared mutely at the craft as it seemed to stare back at her. She had a job. Despite whatever happened in the past, she was no longer the awkward teen who had to fight and scrape her way through things anymore. These people needed Starfleet, and she was part of that, like it or not. Setting down her stylus, Shelby moved forward and checked as many of the readouts as she could, noting anything unusual, which might be cause for alarm or deception. What did worry her was the unknown factor of the people on that ship. It had been a learned mantra of hers over the years. Never trust a Romulan. Shelby's combat chirped. Reaching up, she tapped it. Commander James's voice came over the speaker. Dr. Dretton Ensign Dalen, report to the main shuttle bay. We're boarding the Romulan vessel. Rising, Ensign Dalen began to save the things which had been of interest and she shut the rest of the windows down. Yes, sir. Moving over to the equipment in the office, she picked up and checked a phaser, and then a tricorder. On her way to the shuttle bay, the half-Romulan stopped by her quarters, and she added a few hidden knives to her armament. She was ready. Arriving at the flight deck, Shelby Dalen was directed to the craft they would be using. As the security officer climbed into the shuttle, she found that the trill named Ryla Drett was already there. Doctor, she said by way of greeting. Picking up his phaser from his side, he looked over at Katarn and swirled it around his palm and dropped it back into his holster and pressed a few buttons on his pad. He scanned the personnel going on the away mission and then tapped his combat. The counter to Dan. The away mission is getting ready to leave. We go as soon as Commander James is ready. I need the shuttle bay manned and I want you ready for our return with our Romulan guests. All smiles, Mr. Dan. Oh, and Dan? Don't forget your phaser. De Callan out. Catan shook his head slightly, and De Callan saw the shoulders of Eric James move slightly as a small but muffled giggle came from the XO. Lieutenant Dunn fell flat on his face. The call from the chief had awoken him from a deep sleep, and his hasty reply belied his catatonic state. At least he hoped De Callan hadn't heard it in his voice. He was now face down on the deck, having fallen trying to launch from his rack. Nice, he thought. He quickly stood and began to get dressed. His heart pounded in his chest. Romulans, he thought. I'm finally going to see a real Romulan. 
He considered himself a bit of a history buff, and the Romulan culture had always been one which fascinated him. They were so mysterious, having been hidden away from the Federation for so many years following first contact, a first contact that didn't go so well for either side. Now, their empire lay in shambles following the destruction of their homeworld Romulus, but the fire and passion remained. So like Vulcans and yet so different, he mused as he pulled down his security uniform, almost like a blending of Klingons and Vulcans, the best and the worst of both worlds. He double-checked his appearance in the mirror. The chief would not stand for a lack of dress discipline when confronting a warrior culture like the Romulans. He bolted towards the door, which parted at his hasty approach, and he stopped dead in his tracks. He slowly walked back and picked his phaser up off his desk. Setting down his book, Reese put on his uniform. He knew very little about Romulans. Most of his cultural expertise was for lesser developed societies, but he was still considered an expert, though he hadn't been an active Starfleet officer for most of the past three years. He looked in the mirror at himself wearing his Starfleet uniform. There was a time he thought he'd never wear it again, but plans change and planets get destroyed, he thought. He moved towards the door. He stopped and stared at it for a moment. It's been a long time, he said, taking a deep breath. Dubudachi, he muttered quietly. Then he stepped out. Ensign Hermaratlo was joyously tearing apart his sleeping quarters, looking for his favorite pad. Computer, begin personal correspondence. My brother, Janval. He continued in his native Rysian as he strung his belongings all over the room. Brother, this will be a quick note, but I don't know when I will have the chance to write you again. As I mentioned in my previous letter, I've been assigned as the archaeology and anthropology officer on the ship. As I'm sure you probably figured out, I'm aboard the Arabella as part of the 7th Fleet, and yes, we are in Romulan space. My mission is to make the first steps in helping the Romulan remnant preserve their history and cultural identity. I know, right? If there was a job I was born to do, this is it. As I speak, we are bringing aboard the survivors of some sort of attack. I'm headed out to help with the wounded and to make first contact with them. My first step is to make friends and learn as much as I can about what's been lost and what might still be saved. Got it. Okay, I gotta go. Wish me luck, and I'll be in touch when I can. Peace, brother. Computer, end correspondence. This last he shouted over his shoulder as he ran out the door. Lester shifted at his duty station. He was anticipating contact with Romulans, but not this soon into the mission, under these circumstances. His main display had been monitoring the navigational deflector systems as a precaution at Commander Tollock's instructions, a decision he felt unnecessary, where he was not one to question his commanding officer, at least not any more. On his secondary display, the lieutenant called up their current situation with the Romulan vessel in an attempt to detect anything he could class as interesting. Tapping several commands into the interface, he turned his attention back to the navigation systems as they continued to register data on the excess debris in the system. As the buzz of activity continued around him, he focused himself on the task at hand. The hum of the turbo lift grew steadily quieter as it slowed, eventually coming to a stop at the shuttle bay deck. The door hushed open, and Catan and his good friend DeCallan headed towards the bay at a brisk pace. Catan was thrilled at the prospect of venturing onto a Romulan ship. Even though relations between the Federation and the Romulans had thawed since the Dominion War, there still existed considerable tension and distrust between the two superpowers. With the current mission, the crew of the Arabella had become 
the embodiment of one of the fleet's guiding principles, truly going into territory where no Federation officers had gone before. But Catan's excitement was tempered by the underlying reason for the Seventh Fleet's mission. The Hobus supernova had washed through the system like a wave of death, scouring the system of all but a relative handful of survivors. In the blink of an eye, the Romulans had become an endangered species. It was a fate he couldn't imagine wishing on anyone. As the pair entered the cavernous shuttle bay, Catan spied their craft being attended by a small gathering of orange-clad support crew. In the next instant, he caught sight of a flash of a blonde hair in spots and nearly stopped in his tracks. Noticing the put-out expression on Catan's face, DeCallan broke out into a mischievous grin and gently elbowed him in the ribs. I might. Looks like your good friend, Chief Medical Officer Dret, will be joining us on this trip. Catan's scowl deepened. So it would seem, he answered dryly. It must be my lucky day. Before we leave, I want to thank all of our writers of Season 10 RPG and all of the readers. It's uh, really been a great season so far and it's just begun. It's amazing how many posts we already have and the story's moving along so uh, quickly and is great. So I just really appreciate all the writers and all the readers. And I'm sorry that I can't be part of it, but um, I will still be producing the Ready Room podcast with Jen and Rick. And so um, I'm not out of it yet, and maybe when my schedule eases up a little bit, I can slide back in there, because, you know, now Quinn's an admiral. I can pop in whenever I feel like it. So um, thanks again for uh, Jen and Rick's great explanation of the beginning of Season 10, and thanks to everyone who read this uh, for this Red Room podcast. So I think that's going to do it. So guys, why don't we start? I'm Rick. And I'm Jen. And this is Kenny. Hailing Frequencies Closed. The Ready Room theme and other RPG music was composed by Rick Moyer. All other music was obtained through the Podsafe Music Network. Read more about the adventures of the USS Arabella at treksandsci-fi.com. Greetings, guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. After listening to this great podcast, why don't you turn into our podcast? Knights of the Guild. The official fan podcast for the web series The Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season. We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2. As well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! Hi, I'm Rick Moyer, and I want to tell you about my brand new podcast. It's called Take Him With You. Every week I talk about what's going on in my geeky little world of television, music, and in my faith. My hope is that in a world that can sometimes be really depressing, for at least a few moments you can be encouraged and smile a bit. So come check it out. www.takehimwithyou.com The weekly podcast that's spiritual not religious. I'd love to have you listen. Thanks. How cool is this podcast? That means that you excellent people who are listening to these cool podcasts are even more cooler. How cool is that? 
So once you've finished listening to this podcast, why don't you come over to our podcast and give us a go? We're called Waffle On. You can find us on iTunes. Simply type in Waffle On or go to our webpage and you'll find us at http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. We do TV. We talk about classic TV from 1960 to 1990. You'll find everything here from sci-fi to comedy, from drama to thriller. Come and check us out. We're called Waffle On. <laughs> no, I don't think he likes you at all. No, I don't like you either. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. That's good writing. Yes, because it's not much dialogue. And because <clears throat> George Lucas didn't write all the <coughs> dialogue. <laughs> I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to this glorious podcast, we would love to have you listen to ours, the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. 